Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here, as always, with the fabulous Tina Spring. And today we are absolutely delighted to have Steph Evans with us. And she is a human and veterinary physiotherapist. Her area of expertise is getting people to become their dog's best friend and encouraging them to exercise and move with their dog. And she has an an online program you can tap into no matter where you are in the world to learn how to exercise with your dog. She has taught and continues to teach. She's a lecturer in animal therapy at the Hartbury University. She has her own practice, and I know from reading on her website, she will actually come to your home, which is lovely to have someone who will do a house call, although I don't think she'll come all the way to Columbus or Athens, Georgia, but we might be able to work that out. So anyway, Steph, we're delighted to have you with us today, and with that, I'm going to leave it to Tina to ask the first question. So, Steph, we're really super glad to have you here. It's super exciting to have you be our first guest of the fall rotation of podcasting. Um, and I know that you were asking us over the summer, and I was like, just hold on, we're on we're on sabbatical. But the first thing, I think, is to make it uh, clear to our listeners, what is physiotherapy? Because I'm not sure that it's the same thing in the UK as what we would call it here in the U.S., Thank you very much for having me. And um, yes, so physiotherapy isn't what we call it in the UK. In the US, I know you guys call it physical therapy. They are the exact same thing and just different names. And whether you are kind of a human or an animal, the aim of physio is basically to try and get people at the best optimal function as possible. So whatever you're doing, the aim is, can we get this person functioning as well as possible? So that is basically the ultimate aim of physio. Great. Thank you very much. What I do know, and I will give a big shout out for physical therapy. I had two dogs who had um, ACL tears replaced. And one of the things that we did, because that can be a bilateral condition, if it happens on the left, it's more likely to happen on the right. But I didn't really want to do two $4,000 surgeries on my dog. So (laughs) I had them both, and they both had them. I had to do six weeks of physical therapy. And it made all the difference. Neither one of the dogs had to have the second side done because we strengthened the first side. And it was just fabulous. And one of them absolutely just couldn't wait to get into the underwater treadmill. And the other one's like, <laughs> no, thank you. I, I, I don't I do not do water. But anyway, it was great. So I have a big shout out for physical therapy. I mean, think it makes a huge, huge difference in your recovery, whether you're animal or human. It, it is. It's so good. Yeah. And it would be great. I think the the thing is, is people usually find out too late once they've had an injury and it's trying to get people to realize about it before an injury. Right. Because it can be preventative as well. Correct. Yeah. So the main thing that I work on is kind of so imagine you guys will have all heard of rehabilitation. It's the most commonly kind of known phrase. Have you guys heard of prehabilitation? No, no, no. So This is what I'm trying to make more and more people aware of. So prehab is what we do before, in some cases, before animals or people get injured. Or if we know they've got a surgery coming up, 
we kind of get them strong, do loads of strength and conditioning before the surgery. So their baseline before they go in for the op is higher. So they're going to return back to their more optimal function sooner compared to if they didn't have that prehab. And in some cases, we do prehab and the injury doesn't happen. And so that's it's so important. But the amount of people who don't even know what dog physio is, at least 75 percent of my people, they come they come and see me and they're like, so the vet told me to come and see you, but I don't know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's kind of like I've been told I need a trainer. Okay, glad to hear that. Yes, I've been told I need physical therapy. Don't know what that means, but here I am. Well, at least they're there and they're showing up. You know, you got to yeah, be grateful I, for that. I've got to give. I've got to give it to all of them. They all turn up. Have no idea what to expect. They just come like I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm here. And it's like, well done for coming. <laughs> you have to love that surrender, though, right? I to have do. the uncarved block instead of people coming in with some, you know, preordained idea of what they think is going to be going on. And you're like, that's not actually it. Like I know as a dog trainer, people are like, no, I I just want the dog to walk nicely on a leash. And I'm like, right, this has nothing to do with the leash. Like your dog's freaked out by the wind. Like we have other stuff we (laughs) got to work on first. So that's a very typical, like crusty old dog trainer um, thing is people are like, no, you don't understand. I want to work on this targeted skill. And I'm like, Right. But that targeted skill is an issue because of all this other stuff. And I'm assuming with physio, it's the same thing. Yeah. So it is really nice when you have people come and they're literally just they come as a sponge. They're like, I want to do the best for my dog. And they just accept everything, which is brilliant. And you always get some um, my favorite memory. um, So I do a clinic at a vet nearby. This husband came along with his dog. The wife had sent him. And he dropped off said dog and said he was going shopping and then returned half an hour later. And I was left with this dog and I was like, so dog, how are you? I I kind of need you to be here. And he was like, no, no, it's the one time I can get away from the wife. I'm going shopping. (laughs) You're not a marriage counselor. (laughs) But I mean, I have people who are like, Oh yeah, I'll just, I'll bring the puppy to puppy class and then I'll go do something else. And I was like, no, No. (laughs) like, I love you enough to say, no, we're not doing that that way. Like, that's not like, I didn't want a puppy. You wanted a puppy. So how often do you find that you're doing a lot of functional work where you're like watching how a dog moves, how they move their body, what restrictions they may have. And then you're helping families recognize those signs and help the dog so the start of every appointment I usually kind of um the dog comes or I go to see them and I just watch the dog and just see how kind of that they act I'll speak to the owner kind of what's gone on since I last saw them or if if I haven't seen them before kind of okay what's going on like kind of chat to them get gain that subjective history while I'm kind of observing and then and we get onto more kind of objective. So getting them to kind of do a gait assessment. So watching them walk, watching them move. So I'll kind of um, ask the owner to, the trick is with physio, slow. And dogs don't do slow. So trying to get the dog to walk slowly in a straight line away from you and towards you sounds really easy. But in practice, it's not as easy as you think. And um, maybe kind of in big circles, if you've heard, have you guys heard of Cavaletti, like those little poles? Yes, yeah. I did horse sports. 
oh, you'll know all about them. So like, and that was an poles. integral part of our uh, physical therapy rehab was Cavaletti poles. Yeah, it's I love them. They're fantastic. And um, so I'll kind of watch them go over them. So or what you're looking for on there, dogs are really aware of their front feet. And I'm sure for you guys, you obviously have a lot to do with dogs. When you start watching them, you realise how many have no idea that they've got back feet. So when you put them over Cavaletti, quite often it's the back feet that are struggling. And um, so we're trying to kind of gather, OK, how much awareness has, has this dog got of their body and kind of looking are they struggling a bit? Are they walking in a weird way? And the more you kind of slow movements down, then it's more difficult. It sounds really stupid, but the faster a dog goes, they can cover up a certain movement by using themselves in a really weird way and you just can't notice it. Whereas when you make them slow down, get them to use themselves properly, that's when you can really see because the muscles will struggle. Ah, that's what the issue is. So it's all about slowness. But usually when you go to someone's house, the dog's like, woo, someone's here. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just takes a little while for things to settle out. So yeah. do you find um, that dogs tend to be sided? Like there's one side that's stronger than the other. Do you work to sort of balance that out for dogs? Yeah, so like laterality. So my dog's left-handed. So if he picks up his toys, if he digs, it's always with his left paw. Um, so dogs generally will be left or right pawed. Something to look out for in people's own dogs. Do they have a side? And also if people do kind of canny crossing, so running with their dogs, something that they really notice is something called crabbing. So you might have a bit of a muscle imbalance and they kind of run with the the bum drifting left or right so if you kind of run behind your dog if it's drifting it's called crabbing and then you're like okay we've got a bit of muscle imbalance likely going on and and yeah you kind of go from there but yeah we're not symmetrical if um you could if you get a textbook with a person in that's how you're supposed to look like but when you see yourself you're like I'm not like the textbook and I think sometimes people get really stuck on they're trying to get themselves and their dogs to become the textbook. But as long as you're functional, it's not causing any pain. It's not going to lead to any kind of issues. You don't have to be a textbook. And um, so that's kind of my ethos with it. You don't be the textbook unless you need to be the textbook. Be functional. I would say, though, that a lot of times I, I coming from a tiny itty bitty bit of horse background, I often see that because we don't ride them, right, we kind of ignore that physiology of the dog and how it's all working or or in many cases not working like dogs with extreme angulation or complete lack of angulation. And then a family is asking the dog to do some task that they're kind of ill suited to do because their body isn't comfortable doing those things so how it how adjustable is all that like if a dog let's say a dog has angulation we're not going to change bones bone structure mm -hmm. is going to be what it is how much can be managed by doing stretching and strengthening exercises so I work quite a lot with behaviorists and trainers like yourself and um, quite often they end up seeing dogs for behavior issues they've got really kind of angry and um, you know dogs don't get angry but you know what I mean they're, they're upset and the behavior's changed and 
I'm the first point of call for a couple of behaviorists. They see me and often, so I just do an assessment, is this dog in pain? And often it is pain. So something that people need to look out for, if if your behavior of your dog takes a change or it's gradually kind of getting worse, then it might be consider is it pain? Also, if you think of like um, our sit to stand, so like our obedience dogs, sometimes people are really trying to squash their dog into that really tight sit and that really nice square sit. And they kind of people punish their dogs or tell them off if they're not in that square sit. But some dogs physically can't can't be in that sit. And we can do stuff to kind of um, like I've managed to get dogs who've done obedience into a really nice sit after a lot of work with the owners. Some dogs, it's achievable. Some, you're never going to achieve it. It depends on kind of what underlying um, issues they've got. If it's, like you're saying, kind of more skeletal bony, then there's only so much you can do. But if it's maybe more soft tissue, then with time, you, you can kind of get there and fix it. But yeah, with horses, we notice so much more. And it's only generally the dog sport community that notice all these little things and it's when you end up seeing pet dogs who've got a problem then you're fixing that problem and then you're uncovering all this other stuff and you're asking people oh is this normal for your dog and they've no idea so I think my my main thing for anybody listening to this is to learn your dog's normal because it's so important when your dog goes downhill which unfortunately they do go downhill at some points, you can speak to your vet, your physio and be like, this is their normal. So every week, stroking them all over. Are there any lumps and bumps anywhere that they're kind of really hard compared to where they usually are? Can you stretch out their legs? Stuff like that. What is their normal? Really, really important. People, of course, this is all audio, not visual, but I think people should know. Um, Tina and I are nodding our heads. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Because I think for both of us, um, what we find oftentimes is people call us because their dog has a behavior problem. And especially if the dog is older, the first thing we say is, when was it last evaluated for pain? Oh, well, you know, he's seven. I think he's fine. And my feeling is if he's seven, he's probably arthritic somewhere. And you need to have him assess for pain because you don't want to go through a whole behavior modification protocol, which may or may not work. If what we really need to do is address the underlying issue, the underlying organic issue first. The other thing I was going to ask you is you said you've got trainers and behaviorists um, because I think we understand very well the relationship between pain and behavior. Um, have you found that vets have been really responsive to you or you find that some of the old school vets are like, nah, this is not worth it? So I've got some vets who I kind of friends with chat to and they are the best vets you could like ever find and they are gold dust <laughs> and I wouldn't take my dog anywhere else and um, and there are some other vets who unfortunately I think when I've spoken to vets in vet school someone a bit ago had half an hour talk about kind of rehab in their whole five years I spoke to somebody else who had an hour so that was double so that was better Generally, I think people, the vets maybe aren't as educated on it, but it's changing now. And um, so you've got some vets who are really forward thinking, really knowledgeable about it and kind of really on it. And I have vets kind of reaching out to me, which is amazing. Whereas I still have it now that I'm reaching out to vets because to see an animal, I have to gain vet consent. And so I someone asked me, oh, can you can you kind of assess my dog? I ring up the vets and the vet's like, 
oh you're a physio um okay and it's great because I've gone from a veterinary practice having no idea what I do to now like oh yeah ring up Steph and they're really on it now and and the the improvements of the dogs that we're seeing is massive and it's it's brilliant so the more people and the more vets um you kind of educate the better it's brilliant I mean and they are so knowledgeable they are such a source of knowledge that if you can get chatting to them I love it they just educate me as well it's brilliant yeah, it's where I think um, for some of us, I grew up rural, so our most of our vets were large and small animal vets, and I saw in my youth that those vets were very good at assessing pain and structure in our pets that live in our homes, not just the ponies that are out in the yard. I think because they just look with a different set of eyes. Um I know here in the States, I'm assuming in the UK too, hopefully this is improving, but there was a lot of, you just kind of make the dog do whatever the thing is. And so for a long time, training was pull up on the collar and push down on the bum and, you know, give the dog a hard time until they sit and then tell them what a smart dog they are. Thank goodness dogs are forgiving. I'm seeing a move away from that, but I'm uh, often I'm watching a dog move and I go, well, that's like his spine is sideways, his pelvis is twisted. We need to go to, here, we have to go to a chiropractic vet and my chiropractic vet does offer physio. So she will teach a family how to have their dog walk in the bathtub. How brilliant. (laughs) In water to give some resistance so that the dog, you know, they can do it at home. They don't have to go somewhere and pay a bunch of money, but that's you know, just one of many things or show, show a family how to teach a dog to stretch. I think sometimes it's a resource that's a little bit specialized for veterinarians. Some of them are like, I don't know if the dog hurts. Like if he doesn't <laughs> say it hurts, like I don't. And and I just recently had that. Um, I lost a pug earlier this year and the assessment that was done for pain on both of his eyes, two different issues, but both of his eyes I was um, a little bit stunned because they were, they're like, oh, he's not showing any pain based on our assessment, but he had a giant ulcer on the other eye. And so I'm like, well, can we all agree that that hurts? They're like, oh, absolutely. That would be really, really uncomfortable. The exact same pain assessment, the dog didn't signal any pain. So I'm like, I don't know that we're assessing pain adequately when an injury that we know hurts He's responding exactly the same way as the side that you think doesn't hurt. And there was just a lot of blinking at me. But can you talk about some ways maybe that people can assess, does their dog have pain? Yeah. And and this is something like that's massive, like you're saying there. You can have really stoic dogs. So if you think about your Labrador, they often do not show signs of pain. And it's really common for dogs to kind of slow down but really to push themselves to keep walking with you and then it's people have found oh my goodness their lab has cancer and they'll have walked the dogs just just given everything they're so they love you so much they've done everything to just be with you and haven't even let on that they're in pain so sometimes it can be so difficult to kind of assess pain so something to look at is kind of your dog's behavior. So um, people will be aware maybe of the ladder of aggression. So that goes from, I mean, you guys will be really aware of it. The dog kind of 
being like a normal happy dog all the way up to a dog kind of biting and it's kind of the little signs that might kind of begin with it might kind of look away from you you can see kind of the whites of its eyes changing the ears hackles if it tenses up things like that and with dogs most of the communication is silent so it's all to do with kind of watching and it can be so so discreet and so usually I find stillness is the best factor so if I'm checking on a dog and I'm petting it and I'm kind of moving my hand over different areas if I get to an area and you can feel like a dog being normal standing up and then you go over say the hip and the dog freezes then that's the area and that okay I'm going to be a bit concerned about and looking at it and Obviously, we have to. I've touched touch wood. I haven't been bitten yet. I've had close calls, and <laughs> I probably will get bitten this week after saying that. But we're trying trying to assess without having to push the dog, so it feels like it has to bite. And um, so I think the main thing, again, like I was saying, try to know your dog's normal, and then when they go slightly off the normal, you can recognise it. And it's so so subtle. It doesn't have to be like completely lame and it can just be as simple as freezing if they are kind of limping you might notice a bit of a head nod so kind of if they're trotting along and you can see their heads going a bit up and down that's something to look out for they've probably got some pain in the legs little little things like that and so that's where I'd say the the big important thing know the normal and regularly check up your dog every week or two just yourself how are they getting on is it any different and yeah, just keep an eye on it that way. I often talk about, I see a lot of neck restriction, right? So the the dog, and you guys can't see because we're just doing an auto recording, but a dog who is who stops picking their head up to say hello to you, and now they're signaling a bunch of whale eye because moving their neck is painful, right? Or watching yeah. a dog who, as they walk, their foot twists or their knee yeah. twists. And I'm like, okay, I'm 52. That, like... I know that hurts. <laughs> I've started, I've gotten to that age where I refer to my knees as the good one and the other one. Right. And, and I like to think probably there are times our, our dogs do that too. And there's also other pain. I mean, there's ear infections, there's UTIs, there's teeth, right? There's, yeah. there's lots of things that hurt. A lot of times I think toenail cutting, sometimes part of the picture is that the dog's body is being articulated in a way that there's a pinch and that it's uncomfortable. So do you help people work through kind of that functional stuff too, or is that outside of your scope? To be honest, most of it is functional. The The, the whole thing we look at is function. I, I don't care if the dog's a textbook or not. I want it to be as functional as possible and in as least pain as possible. And that's what we kind of go towards. So ear infections, that type of stuff, that's the, re- the vet's job. Um, but if it impacts function, so the neck stiffness, um, another one to kind of look out for, does your dog stop lying on one side? So they might always kick out their feet to the right-hand side. And then have a think, oh, do you ever see them kick out the feet to the left? And if you don't know, you can always ask your dog to lie down kind of on their tummy and then ask them to kind of roll both ways. There might be a way that your dog's like, I am not rolling that way. And it's a really good way to, I mean, it's always good for your relationship, isn't it? To kind of learn your tricks together. But see, is there any kind of movement that they really don't like? Do they refuse to lie on hard floor? Or if they do kind of lie on hard floor in the morning, are they really stiff and crickety to get up? Another thing to look at, 
and it's just these tiny little things but dogs are so biddable they love us so much they won't often they just won't let on they'll be like oh I'm getting up I'm coming so it's just keeping your eye out for those tiny little things and if they stop eating and they obviously like have a look in their mouth just because you're not a vet and doesn't mean that you can't look in your dog's mouth and think hmm it's really red and pussy and so or it smells really bad <laughs> yeah. well one of the things I was also going to mention is that oh, one of the things I've noticed with dogs is when the their lower back or their hips start to bother them their tail carriage changes so be familiar with your dog's tail carriage. Is Maybe your dog is always upright and now we're out straight. Maybe your dog is straight and now it's down. So tail carriage yeah. can give you an indication of you know what's going on with their their hips. And left to right as well with the tail. They can do it to off to like kind of off balance themselves. Right. So I think that, you know, you're right. Just be aware of what is your dog's normal. And when it's askew, the other thing is, as I try to tell people, don't panic. I mean, if your dog's not carrying his tail normal today, that may not mean that, you know, maybe we're just, we're tired today. So, you know, give it a reasonable amount of time. If in 24 hours we're back to normal, then it might've just been a minor kind of thing. What we're looking for is sort of consistent or repetitive changes in their behavior or their functionality that should raise some red flags for you. Exactly. And like, if you're, if you know that your dog's ran and slipped and done something a bit silly and you know, it's not ruptured anything because it can still walk. It's just injured itself. Just like with people. So we would put ice on ourselves, wouldn't we? You can do the exact same for a dog. If your dog's looks like it's probably pulled something, then don't put ice directly on the skin because you get ice burn. So put it in like a wet towel or something over the area, like three or five minutes and just hold it on. That's going to help um, with pain relief, just like it does with us. So whatever you do for yourself, no medication, anyone, none of that stuff, just in terms of like heat and ice, you can do the same for your dog. And um, But don't use heat if it's like three to five days um, after they've actually injured it. But ice is, after you've had an injury, ice is brilliant. So what's the biggest thing that you see missed that families miss with their dog? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think people just miss the degenerative changes. So when their dogs get older, they're like, oh, he's getting old. So it's normal. It's just part of aging to get crickety and struggle getting up. And it's not blaming them at all. It's kind of how we're taught. But when you have a dog, you can do something about it. And um, just like with people, you can do something about it. So I'd say the main thing is when people's dog gets like the degenerative, older, maybe arthritic, struggling to get up, plodding around a bit in pain, and they just kind of carry on and just accept it. That's the most kind of complacent, I reckon, people are because they think it's normal. They don't know any different. They think that there's nothing they can do for the dog. But actually, go to your vet have a word with them. They might have some kind of joint supplements. They might have some ideas, see a physio, maybe do some hydro. All of this can kind of prolong the, the young and the youth of your dog and, and help to reduce those pain symptoms because that's the main thing, isn't it, with our dogs? We don't want them to be in pain. And you can do a lot without medication, um, which is brilliant. They're very stoic, right? I know I learned, again, in horses, I learned put your hands over them and if you feel heat, that's inflammation, there's something going on. And I, I endeavored to do the same thing with the dogs. And it amazes me how often I'm working with a dog that maybe has started resource guarding the bed or the sofa, who, when that dog is comfortable and lets me pet them, 
I can feel heat radiating off, off of the hips or off of the mid back, kind of where that break yeah. happens after the rib cage. So that, that weak spot right there where like you yeah. go super supported with rib cage to Chest, not pelvis. Yeah. Like that, that dip that, that I don't know, again, 52, I probably have that. <laughs> you get a leg a lot of pain so, there. For goodness sakes, don't watch me plank. That's not a good thing. Right. So um, lumbosacral region. Right. I think it's the same thing with our dogs. Like I think a lot of times we just miss that they hurt. I'll tell you some things I've observed where like a well-trained dog, the family asks for a sit and the dog starts. I've seen this so many times. They start to move into a sit and then they're like, can I offer you a nice down? Yeah. Right. Like they're just a little resistant to doing that thing they want to do. I often see it with little kids getting enthusiastic and teaching the middle-aged or older dog to sit up and beg. And oh, it's like, gosh. how much core strength that takes. I'm like, okay, again, we're asking the elderly dog to do planks. Like work. <laughs> if you're going to do that, we have to work up to that or he's going to hurt himself. And they yeah. will. God bless them. They will really hurt themselves to love us. Yeah. Um, and so I think that I personally, I think Julie too, we just feel a real burden to evaluate that constantly because they will hurt themselves to love us or to, to keep playing with the tennis ball or to the jump into the lake one more time or to jump off the bed. Do you have any good tips for how to teach a dachshund to use the stairs to get on and off the sofa. <laughs> oh, goodness. Sometimes you try and help them, don't you? They're like, no, nah, I don't need that. They're like, I'm a dachshund. <laughs> I don't need your help. <laughs> but first of all, the sit pretty you were saying where you have a dog kind of sitting on their, their back legs with their front feet up. I have never taught a dog that. And I would never recommend anyone to ever teach a dog that. It is so bad for their back. So anyone listening, if you're thinking about doing it, don't do it. <laughs> um, don't you need use to do laser pointers either, right? Like <laughs> no laser pointers. <laughs> so, so what are some good tricks people could teach their dogs instead? Yeah, actually bless their dog. Yeah. So first of all, go to your vet and check your dog's okay first. First thing before you do anything, once you've had the all clear to do some exercises. The simple sit to stand, if your dog is comfortable and doing it and doesn't struggle, is brilliant. And you can make the sit to stand more difficult by asking them, say, if they are a dog who kind of doesn't really sit too straight, you can ask them to kind of sit in a smaller gap. So it kind of pushes them into the sit only if your vet's okay with that. So do double check that one. So to try and encourage that kind of square sit, you can do down to stand without the sit. That's basically kind of doing a press up plank. So you have your dog stand, lie down. <laughs> People can't see me. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> in terms of just holding your, so your dog's standing and you've got a hand on either shoulder. And if they're standing nice and square, so like a square halt on a horse, just nice and square when they're standing and gently rocking their shoulders from side to side without their feet kind of coming off the ground so they're just transferring the weight from left to right and you once they've got that and they're fine with you doing it you can change the surface so start just on carpet never do these exercises on slippy floors because then they slide all over the place and can cause like more injuries and um, but you can then kind of start adding cushions wobble cushions and it's like, have you guys ever done kind of squats on wobble cushions and stuff like that? Yes, they're evil. 
Yes, they are. They so, are. Yeah. That's, that's a really good terminology for it, Tina. And I don't think you're being strongly wording that at all. <laughs> so, yeah, you can start on carpet and then make the floor gradually more wobbly, but do everything progressively. Don't do it like one day the next, like do it over a few weeks um, and go and speak to a physio. If you're really into this, go and do strength and conditioning exercises. It's literally what I live and breathe. I love it. How was how does somebody find a physio? The best place to go is your vet. They should know people. If not, I mean, so I'm part of ACPAT, which is the Association of Chartered Physios and Animal Therapy. So I know they have some people internationally, whether they've got any in the States, um, potentially. If you kind of Googled it, I'm sure there'd be some organization. Well, you know, one of the things I was going to say that um, oftentimes, if you have, a, rather than just a vet, you have a conglomerate, like we have MedVet. And MedVet okay. offers dermatology and chemo and internal medicine and rehab. Oh. And so you can start there. Or if you have a, a university hospital, veterinary hospital, okay. that might be a place where you could check it out. And you're right. You can probably Google physical therapy for, for dogs. The problem is, is that who knows where that, what rabbit hole that's going to lead you yeah. down. So you need to be careful. And, and I don't know. We'll, we'll take a look. And if we find it, we'll put it on the website. If, there is an, if there's an association, a national association for animal physical therapists, we can do that. Or talk to your alternative vet. I was thinking like my vet that I go to for acupuncture and chiropractic, and he would probably be a good one to talk to. One of the things I did want to mention too, that I have found to be really useful in figuring out where it is that like Zuzu is uncomfortable. That's my flat coat. She's uncomfortable is most mornings. Most dogs will shake off head to toe, you know, (laughs) and as they, nobody knows that I just did that, but where they shake off, one of my best points, watch where the shake stops. Yeah. So that if they if they can shake the entire body, that's great. But if they stop, like in that region we were talking about, that that lower lumbar region, that might be an area that there's some pain or stiffness that you want to take a look at. So that's a really quick way is just watch how your dog shakes off, and if it stops somewhere, pay attention to that area. Yeah, I mean, my dog does morning yoga. He's at the top of the stairs, and he's just does the whole yoga. <laughs> So he'd be really easy to tell if something was up. And he doesn't like you walk down the stairs either. He's like, no, this is yoga area. I have to slide down on my belly. (laughs) Which is probably why I'm in a ranch. Because if I had stairs, I would probably go down them that way too. So there are things like teaching dogs to spin one direction or the other direction. Or to pick their head up or down. Or to do downward dog. Are there specific stretches that... People could just spend five minutes every day doing with their dog, you know, over breakfast that helps keep everything in tip top shape. Yeah. So like you were saying, kind of the bow, the bow is brilliant. If your dog can like comfortably do that. Absolutely fantastic. We always call it the croissant with our dog because he literally is the color of a croissant. He's a golden retriever. Um, So if you kind of stand in the corner of the room and kind of get them to twist around you in a circle around you, that's really good. Both directions. And when you are encouraging them to stretch, it's about encouraging them to slowly go into the movement and try and hold it if you can for 60 seconds. But dogs are they don't understand they have to stay there and count for 60 seconds. Never kind of push into a stretch. If they're resisting, leave it. And you don't want to force a stretch. And um, so both directions when they're twisting around you and trying to encourage them to bring their nose. So you can just literally do luring with a treat. 
put a sweet between their two front feet and kind of bring it back towards their tummy and they will basically you know cat cow just the same do it with a treat and encourage them to do a nice cat cow and that's really good and you can also use the treat and or squirty cheese and I had a dog come the other week and it bit the squirty cheese thing and it went everywhere (laughs) that's like my my big fear is so when we talk about squeezy cheese people we're talking about that awful can not really cheese stuff that they claim could have real cheese in it that like little kids like on their hot dogs right it's disgusting and yet dogs love it it doesn't require refrigeration for the most part you're not using a huge volume of it because it's it has a lot of flavor so you can give dogs itty bitty little licks of it so generally you're not going to blow out their belly we use it a bunch for conditioning like for grooming and handling and vet visits okay uh, yeah and ba- bathing, right? Because you can put it along a bead of it along where the cock line of the tub and squeeze <laughs> it in, and the dogs are like, "I'll just, I'll lick that while you're doing whatever you're doing back there." So I knew what you meant, but yes, I live in fear yeah. that some dogs gonna puncture it, and I'm gonna have like squeezy cheese. We, we had cheese board. everywhere, and you, you can, can also, by the way, get peanut butter the same way. Oh yeah. And liver pate, can't you as well? Squirty liver pate. But you can encourage them to kind of twist to the side. And, and can your dog touch like their nose to their chest? Then can they do it to their hip? And then as they get more and more flexible, can they actually twist around while standing and put touch their nose to their back leg? So that takes quite a bit. Never force it. Kind of do it gradually and just see where is your dog comfortable. Quite often, they might cheat and just walk so it's a good idea to do it next to a wall and then it encourages them to not cheat then if your dog walks forward to completely avoid it they're probably a bit tight so you're pushing it a bit too far but the biggest thing don't push anything if your dog says no listen to them Um, obviously check out with your vet first it's all okay and um slow honestly our dogs do everything 100 miles per hour slow it down (laughs) always i'm always trying to get people to slow down so is there are there online resources for families who don't live in the UK with you? Like, I would love to learn more about this. Where are some places? Do you have a program or something that people can sign up for? Yeah. So if people are just kind of into some free stuff, I do have free stuff. Um, so I think you guys are putting a Facebook group in. So when you join, um, I'll message you and I'll see what kind of suits you. And I've got free guides and free exercises that you can do with your dog that I can send over. It's on YouTube. If you've got, if you've got access to YouTube. You're all good. Um, and then those people who kind of really want to do more with their dogs. So something that I specialize in. So I started in human gave people strength and conditioning exercises it was boring nobody did them Um, and then I went into animals and people did do the animal strength and conditioning but it was never very exciting so what I've done is I've mushed it together and now I've created strength and conditioning exercises that kind of exercise you both at the same time so for example you're doing a side plank and your dog's having to crawl underneath you walk in a circle around your arm then lie down and it's all different stuff like that. <laughs> These guys are laughing. You guys can't that is see them. a young woman's game, my friend. Right? If if you ask me to do a side plank and have the Doberman climb under me, like we're both gonna die. That's loosely how that's. I'm gonna. Yeah, that's all. That, yeah. Like but, I'm but, old and rickety. That's a bad idea. 
<laughs> we have the exercises novice intermediate advanced and we have people in i've got two people in the states at the moment one lady from alaska and one from virginia and we go through it and we make the program for you and your dog and um, and it's 12 weeks long and it is so much fun and it's called the ultimate boot camp because you know oh what? cute <laughs> I, I just, when I do yoga, the dogs help me now. And, um, I, you know, maybe, maybe we could actually be at genuinely helpful, not just dog idea of helpful, which is mom's lying on the ground, so we should lay on top of her. You know, she's doing <laughs> a down dog, so we should kiss her face. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing, because people aren't motivated to kind of exercise and do all this they don't have time to exercise themselves and their dog they get bored of walking around the block so I created it and it's I've got people in who hate exercising and now they love it because it's fun they're actually motivated to do it and it's their first it's their first ever um, program that they're sticking to because it's fun and that's the whole aim all right well we'll be sure to get that on uh, our show notes as well so, Steph, um, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything in particular that we have not covered that you would like our listeners to know, either about you or physiotherapy or exercising with your dog? I think the main thing would be everything with your dog is supposed to be fun. So if you don't manage something the first time, just enjoy it. And um, It's a learning process. It's all about fun. And you don't get perfection first time around. So if you see an exercise online, you try it. It doesn't work. People probably who filmed the exercise, same with me and Teddy, we've done it quite a lot to be able to film it. So don't don't stress yourself. Just enjoy the process. That would be my main thing. So I, I actually have I had one more question for you. So, Steph, are you familiar with the Dr. Busby's toe grips? Have you, have you seen that product Ooh, yet? No, I haven't. So I don't, I don't know if it's in England. I know, I know that they have it in Canada and here in the U S so there are vinyl sleeves I've that on the website, they tell, you, they tell you how to measure. They have been a game changer for elderly dogs with slippery floors, right? So instead of putting down 37, throw rugs, right? That now you're tripping over and all that. Yeah. Instead, you give the dog a little bit more grip. Oh. And I have seen dogs have to be helped up who no longer have to be helped up or dogs who are like, I'm not going down the stairs. I'm going to kill myself. They're like, no, I can do this because I have a little bit of grip. So if you had seen those, I wanted your opinion on them. So people out in podcast land, Steph has a big old smile on her face that I just introduced <laughs> something new, I think. Yeah, I have, I'm going to have to look into these. I've never seen them before. All right. So usually, now we have an yeah. excuse for you to come back. So now you're going to get yourself some Dr. Busby's <laughs> toe grips, try them on some dogs, and then you're going to come back and tell us why they're so important for physical therapy because we would love to have you back on your yeah. family dog. Yeah. I'd love that. I'll, um, I'll have to ask all my physio friends if they've seen them. <laughs> well, and if you can even come up with some exercises that kids and dogs can do together. I think that would richly bless our cute little podcast too. Our I've families got, are always um, looking about how to get more than one thing done at a time. So how do we do good hygiene with the dog and with the kiddos and with the grownups? Um, I think anytime we can foster making that easier and more fun and more giggles, that's always better. 
I've got a free PDF I can send you guys, which is 50 fun activities to do with your dog and kids. It says this summer, but terrific. Cool. So we can put that, we'll put that on the, on the show notes as well. All right. Well, this has been really fun and we do want you to come back, but we want you to try your Dr. Busby's toe grips. First of all, <laughs> thank you, Tina, for mentioning that. So Steph, thanks so much for coming and spending some of your afternoon with us. We would love to have you back. I loved it. Thank you very much. I'd love to come back. Well, super. We will um, have Steph back in the future for an update on Dr. Busby's toe grips, which we are now going to have to put on the show notes. And um, we're really happy that you're here, and we hope you all come back next time for Your Family Dog. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.